Welcome to Stars Matter, a recruiting podcast from The Athletic, part of the Until Saturday feed. I'm your host, Mitch Light, joined by Ari Wasserman, our national college football recruiter. And Ari, actually, I believe, at home today, been traveling all around the Southeast, managed to squeeze a vacation in during this month. I miss you. Welcome, Ari. How are you doing, buddy? Well, that's what you got wrong, Mitch. I managed to squeeze work into my vacation month. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, you got it wrong. But listen, guys, it's been a long layover. We all know the score. It's been a while since Stars Matter was here, um, and I can't tell you how excited uh, I am to be back with you guys. And I know the people who you know, became attached to Stars Matter are going to be relieved that we're back. And just seeing all your wonderful faces is um, really great, and I'm excited for a new season of, of covering this stuff with you guys. And uh you know, that'll be the nicest, the most sentimental I'll be for a while, but just want you to, I value all three of you and so happy to be back. Sounds good. Also got Manny Navarro here. My, Manny obviously covers Miami for us and recruiting. He's been very busy in South Florida covering his beat and I believe covering a much improved soccer team. His daughter's <laughs> soccer team only lost two to one the other day. Is that true, man? Yes. Yes. We're now one in three. I think we've been outscored uh, 13 to three in our last three games, but it's improvement. It was only two to one last game. That's all you can hope for is improvement. Might need to make a change <laughs> at defensive coordinator. And then we got Grace Rayner here. Grace covers recruiting for us. College football recorder, reporter. Uh, Grace has a fun story out today that we're going to talk about, uh, about coaches and headsets and She's been very busy prepping for the fall, covering both recruiting and some of the biggest games in the Southeast. Now from her new home base, the pride of Virginia, Grace Trainer. How's it going, Grace? <laughs> it's going good. It's good to be back with you guys. See your faces again. Good, good. That's uh, Ari. I'm just okay excited there? to see that she's got a new place. That's all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Quick note. We've got, I know, uh, right? Do you see my lamp is crooked? That's great. Yeah. That, uh, I mean, that's about as much construction, you know, those lamps that you get at Ikea that you have to like screw in together and feed the cord through. Oh yeah. That is the height of my, the height of my, uh, manual labor ability. So, um, mine would also be crooked too. It's okay. My wife always just says, you're not good at things like that. So, you know, that's what makes the world grow. I got a neighbor who's good at things. Like if he needs sports and I give him sports knowledge tickets, maybe he fixes things. So that's what makes the world. You know what my wife says to me? And I don't know if you guys get this. Uh, my wife says, you're not the best at a lot. (laughs) She says it a lot though. Yeah. Like it's like, you're not the best at your calendar or you're not the best at (laughs) this or that. And it's like, it adds up to like, what am I good at? Can you, you just like, what, you just, know what we're not the best at right now? Diving uh-huh. into the podcast since we haven't done it for two months. So let, let's okay. do that. Let's dive um, in. But first, we've got a uh, bunch of podcasts going this month. Uh, Ari has been literally and figuratively kind of all over the place recording podcasts. Um, but just a reminder, next week, starting on August 28th, we'll really start with the calendar every week, a podcast every day in the Until Stars Matter, until, until the Until Saturday feed, including Stars Matter. So guys, let's talk recruiting. Originally, I was going to start us off with kind of notable commitments because there's been a bunch um, and then go over uncommitted five stars. But I, I am calling an audible. I want to dive in and get right to two programs that to me have caught my attention about what they're doing. The first one is Florida state and Manny, I'm going to let you take this in a minute, but to me, this is almost a master class in building a rebuild. You hit the portal hard. No, no, very few teams went at the portal every year. It's just not, we can get into that. We have gotten into that. Hit the portal to go from mediocre to pretty good and then start recruiting your you-know-what off. And that's what this staff has been doing. We'll get into the numbers. Uh, but closing in on their first t- top 10 class since 2017, just really impressed with Florida State. Yeah, I think I think you really have to give Mike Norvell credit. And I, I went to the ACC uh, kickoff event and talked to him for about seven or eight minutes in the hallway and I, I initially wanted to talk to him about the transfer portal and just what a wizard he's been at that. But I could have, you know, couldn't really ignore what they've done on the trail, um, especially of late. You know, getting KJ Bolden, um, who's, who's a five-star out of Buford, Georgia, a kid that said he was Florida State was his dream school. Well, if Florida State wasn't sort of on the rise, I don't know if they still would have been his dream school and, and a program he commits to. Um, you know, uh, you just look at every everybody that they've gotten here. Charles Charles Lester out of Venice, Florida. You think of where Florida State was a couple years ago. Um, you know, uh, struggling with Norvell when he first took over. Uh, I don't think Charles Lester picks Florida State if if they don't have this turnaround. So, 
kudos to him, like you said, putting together the the, the transfer classes, ha- finding the success, and then ultimately um, being able to to recruit an elite, at an elite level. And you know, I think they're favored to, to land Zaquan Patterson, who's another top 100 player out of Hollywood Chaminade, uh, one of the top five safeties in the country. Um, they could end up getting him in this class. So to me, um, you know, I, I, I kind of, in my oddly specific predictions for the athletic, I made this bold proclamation that the only thing Georgia's going to lose this coming season is the title of the number one recruiting class. And I said, that, that's because Florida State's going to come and Whoa. get it. And, and, I, and I think Mike Norvell Ari could. Is, Ari's <laughs> up, uh, woken from a slumber there. Ari's <laughs> face. You think I they're going to win think- the recruiting crown? I think they could. Yes, I think they could flip JoJo Trader, who's committed the, to Miami right now. What's the route there? Yeah, give us the route. Yeah, I, I think JoJo Trader's a big one. Um, obviously, Zaquan Patterson is another uh, top 100. Um, they've got some other kids that they're after that they've been sort of recruiting for a while. I got to look at, at all their at all their targets, but I know those two come come to mind right off the bat because they're they're South Florida guys. Um, you know, look, it, it, Georgia right now. They're, they're, they're probably going to win the national title again. I, I mean, I'm picking up the three-peat this year. I think there's going to be a lot of these recruits who ultimately look at their playing time and like saying, do I really want to go sit the bench there? And, and Georgia's already had a couple guys flip, right? Didn't they have somebody flip to uh, Alabama recently? Brandon Thomas flipped to yeah. Florida State. Right. Florida State took him from Georgia. So I think FSU's in a, in a great position here to sneak up and catch the Bulldogs, especially if they can flip a couple of in-state uh, Florida guys um that that are committed elsewhere right now i love it ari is you know what i love more than anything manny let me tell you something (laughs) it's been six weeks since we've done a stars matter you came out firing (laughs) like like, that is a hell of that is if you were right if you turn out to be right about that like that would be one of the most impressive prognostications that i've seen in sports journalism like that's like an underdog thing. And it's not just Georgia. I mean, Ohio state already has five, five star prospects in their class. So like they would have to, they would have to get at least, I think three or four more five stars to commit. And I Ari, just don't know if you were, where, Ari, like if from you were a bet- standpoint. Yeah. If you were I a think- betting man, Ari, just if, what would you put the odds on Florida state getting the number one class? 30 to one, 30 to one. Okay. I was going to say, I think from a math odds, standpoint, it's a big, big payday. I, I mean, it's just from a math <laughs> standpoint, like, I just don't know if, like, I mean, Florida State already has 21 commitments. So they, unless they sign 32 players this year um, and, you know, hit six or seven more top 100 players, I just don't think that the math is there. Um, yeah. But maybe I'm, like, looking at this the wrong way. I mean, Manny, I, I uh, that, let, here's the thing I will say. When you were making your initial point about Florida State before we went off into La La Land, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I think that the word that Mitch used was masterclass. Um, and I think that this could be masterclass of rebuilding a program through the portal and then using the success that you have with portal guys to build a really good recruiting class in high school. Because, you know, with Michigan State and some of the other schools that have done a really good job in the past of, you know, flipping a roster in one year and having a much better season because of the portal we haven't seen it translate to high school players, but because Florida state is in a, such a talent rich state because they probably have the most badass uniforms in college football. Let's, I just <laughs> want to put that out there. And because they have such a history and tradition of winning, like I think that's the perfect place to go from portal flip to back to recruiting at a high standard. And if they finish in the top five, first top 10 class in 17, you said, Mitch, because yes. of what Norvell has done, that's a master class of building a program. And I can get behind you on that. Manny, if they sign the number one class in the country this year, I'll, I don't know. I'll do anything but eat the death chip again. I'm never doing that. <laughs> um, but I had two more names to props. throw at you. That's okay, two more. Jeremiah Smith and LJ McCray. Ooh. Okay. And that would be a two for one with Ohio State because you would knock one out of their class right. and flip it into your class. Okay, tease. We're going to get to Ohio State in a minute. But uh, Florida State mentioned top their number six in 2017, and they had seven of eight seven seven out of eight years they had a top ten class leading into that. But but Grace, little tease here. On Monday we have a Q and A coming with uh, Cooper Patagna. I believe that's how you pronounce Cooper's last name. Last name. Uh, two four seven Sports 
uh, recruiting analyst, really good stuff. Said it. He's only 31 years old and he's had like 10 jobs, great career. But you asked him who his favorite prospect in the 24 class was. And it's a Florida State kid who we haven't even mentioned yet. So Manny's written about him. So tell us about that conversation. Yeah, our guy Luke Cromenhoek. Um, he was really high on his athleticism and just the way that he's played the quarterback position so far. Obviously, he hasn't played it as long as some of these other guys, but um, I thought it was really fascinating because this was Cooper's job, right? Like when he worked at Washington and Oregon and Michigan, it was quite literally his job to evaluate kids and look at them in terms of what are they going to look like as college players. Um, and so for him to pick Luke out of every single, not even just prospect in this class, or sorry, not even just quarterback in this class, but every prospect in the whole class of 2024, based on his potential alone, I, I thought was super fascinating. I, I hope we're doing this podcast for years, and I can't wait for the, so we can, every Saturday, every week, we can talk, compare Luke uh, Cromenhoek versus Haas Haney. And so the guy that Manny discovered and the guy that uh, Ari discovered. I know we don't really like discover these guys. Didn't, but didn't I remember Manny also La- discover Trevor Jackson? Yes, yes, another one. But I remember Landis, Bill Landis, I uh, said discovered Drew Aller. He wrote about him, like went to his high school in the pandemic. He was ranked in like the 600s and uh, yeah. stuff. So uh, I My love following these guys. I think yeah. it's Jackson Dart, but it hasn't, you know, yeah. we'll see how that, that plays out. That, well, was, tell a, us, that was another one. I think it one. was your editor maybe who discovered and said, why don't you write about this? Yeah. Thing? Yeah, you you do a good job because my editor uh, is a Vanderbilt fan, so he likes looking down at the depths of the of the rankings more than <laughs> more than I do. Um, You're a snob. You it. just look at the you, you yeah. don't even know how to click below top 100, right? So. Yeah, 101. I'm out. Uh, no, uh, but you do you do a really good job of finding those stories, and because I'm respectful of your ability to do so, I write them. Speaking but that's of what happens, that's but ownership transfers. Yeah, speaking of a program that doesn't click below maybe 250 on the recruiting uh, lists, Ohio State, Ari, um, you mentioned the five five stars, a quarterback, a wide receiver, wide receiver, and the most important thing, defensive line, defensive line. They get Edric Houston the other day, uh, one of many, many, many good players on that Buford, Georgia team, um, plus two other top 50 guys, both cornerbacks, Aaron Scott. And Bryce Scott, uh, Bryce, is it Bryce Scott? No, it's Bryce West. Bryce West. Bryce West. Uh, too many Scots there. Ari, I know you've, that's a program you're familiar with. From a numbers standpoint, this might not be their best class, or it might be, but you got to love what they're doing on defense. Yeah, but before we go really into Ohio State, Manny, uh, I was very curious when you threw up Jeremiah Smith as a name. Mm-hmm. What's I, I know that he's been like, Jeremiah Smith is the king of grab ass recruiting where he <laughs> yes. just goes out and like <laughs> says things and goes places. And, you know, through it all, it always seems that it comes back to the, you know, the, the Buckeye nut tweets and like Brian Hartline and stuff like, is there something that you're hearing or thinking that is new with that? Or is it just Florida state's looking good and that might convince him later on? Yeah. I, I think from a, you know, from an in-state perspective, right. All these kids know each other. Uh, he's really good friends, obviously, with with JoJo Trader. They're really close. So to me, I could see Florida State having a great year and these guys saying, let's go all play for Florida State at the end of the year and and just sort of, you know, because as much as I think Jeremiah loves Ohio State, I've never gotten the sense that he's 1,000% committed to him. So I, I just think he's, he's the kind of kid who could be one of those su- surprise flips on signing day. Another tease, yeah. where you, Manny and Grace are doing a recruiting prediction story coming next Tuesday while all of our other writers predict like how their teams are doing. You guys are going to predict what's going to happen in recruiting. I have a feeling we're going to hear some, some Florida State talk from Manny. All right, uh, let's get back to Ohio State. Yeah, well, the one thing that I'll say about Ohio State's class is that they do have five five-star prospects in it and two are receivers, but at least it's not 100%. Um, <laughs> you know, and Jeremiah Smith and, and Mylon Graham, I think, are the next two to carry on the tradition that, you know, they've had at the wide receiver position. But in order for them to, um, you know, continue to assert themselves in a, in a way that they expect to, which is competing for national championships every single year and being able to have games like the one that they had with Georgia in the playoff last year, You've got to beef up the second the 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 defensive line. You got to beef up the defense, and you got to just you know get stops. It's like, you know, I know they were probably a field goal away from winning a national championship a year ago, and it's like, 
you can't get blown off the ball and get your ass kicked by Michigan and have a soft defense in certain games. So, you know, for Larry Johnson, a coach that a lot of people in Columbus, you know, at least fan wise are saying, Hey, this guy might be over the hill and, and time to move on for him to bounce back here and get Justin Scott out of Chicago and Edric Houston out of Buford. Um, a very important school considering Rayola, a former Ohio State commit, goes and plays quarterback there. You know, actually, we need a beat writer for that school. There's a lot of just, players on that team. I was looking at Grace. I said, Grace, you <laughs> need to uh, get, get down. Or at least we need a camera there. Take some you photos of these You moved in dudes. the wrong direction, Grace. <laughs> right? Yeah, I know. I you should have moved I south. Um, you know, but I, I think that what Ohio State's doing, too, like Aaron Noland, you know, they get the quarterback. They've got the receivers. Like they've got a lot of really important pieces on this team. And like, this is the type of class that you would hope that they would get uh, a year after maybe not signing the type of class that they were, you know, I mean, top five class in 2023, you can't really <laughs> say anything negatively, but this one seems to be uh, more well-rounded and have a lower, um, a lower basement, a higher yeah. basement, a yeah. higher floor, uh, higher floor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, out of podcast shape, but Ari, you've been doing them every day. You've maybe I know, too I many podcasts. Have, I've never, I haven't written a story in six weeks, but, uh, you know, yeah, I, okay. I have been podcasting. I just think maybe it's just, I'm, you know, yeah, I am who okay. I am and you haven't yeah, accepted that's it. For some yeah, that is, yeah. you are, you, you are what you are. All right, let's, let's take a look. We're going to go back and, and hit on some more teams in a few minutes that have caught my attention. You guys might have some of your own. By the way, Ari, uh, Florida State uniforms are fine, but uh, this might be an old man take, but give me UCLA's. Uh, UCLA's powder blues are my favorite college uniform. I think the most beautiful game of the year is the UCLA-USC uh, home home jersey Winnipeg, versus home yeah, jersey yes. uh, rivalry game, and I think UCLA is definitely in the top 10. Okay, good, good. All right, we mentioned Edric Houston, defensive lineman from Buford, committing to Ohio State. Jordan Ross, edge rusher from... Uh, Vestavia Hills, Vestavia Hills, Alabama, basically Birmingham, um, committing to Tennessee. He's a five-star in 247, number 37 in the composite. Um, this one, Manny, was interesting. Uh, we were kind of following it. Kamarian Franklin, defensive lineman from Lake Coromont, Mississippi. Looked like Auburn. I think Florida State was in there. But here, here's it goes to Ole Miss or commits to Ole Miss. Second straight year that Ole Miss lands the top player in the state. Last year was five-star linebacker Centurine Perkins. Uh, before that, 2018 was the last time the top player in the state signed with an in-state school. That was wide receiver Malik Heath to Mississippi State. The last time Ole Miss landed the top player was 2015, Javon Patterson. That's a long time for any of you guys. I mean, Ole Miss has had some success, no doubt. But that's eight years between line, landing the top player in your own state to be a state school in the SEC. That's a little too long to be if you want to compete at a high level. I think Lane Kiffin, um, you know, I think he's really turned to the transfer portal a, a ton here the last couple of years. And I, I don't want to say they've kind of uh, gone backwards in recruiting because obviously this was a big win for them. But if you look at the average player rating, right, for Ole Miss from last year compared to this year with this class, it's down over a point um, from what it was a year ago. And, and to me, um, I think part of that is maybe that you're just not pushing as hard for some of the high school recruits anymore as they are necessarily transfers and sort of prioritizing that. So uh, important win for them, though. Uh, Auburn, it looked like he was headed, Kamarian was headed to Auburn. I know Miami invested uh, a ton of energy and... Uh, invested being the key word there? Yes, and, and probably <laughs> other things to try to get him to come to Coral Gables. He was here five times uh, wow. for unofficial visits, I believe, or with including his, his official visit. So... Um, you know, they, they tried really hard to convince him to come here, and ultimately he stays in state and, and, and goes to Ole Miss. And they needed a defensive lineman. Their their defensive line class isn't necessarily that spectacular. So, uh, But another big, important in-state victory for, for, for some of these schools, especially with defensive linemen. I've been paying attention to the defensive linemen uh, because Miami's been after a bunch of them, and it seems like a lot of the elite guys have been staying home. Here's that's the next guy, Williams uh, Winery. Uh, edge rusher from Lee's Summit North, uh, number three player in the state to Missouri. For as mediocre uh, as Missouri's been, they're not afraid to land some five stars. They, they you know, obviously with Luther Bolden and Grayson, you talked to his coach uh, last week, and I guess we we probably I'm never shocked when it, when a even a top five top ten kid stays in state. Uh, you know, 
just for obvious reasons. So this one wasn't a shock, and and you know you talked to his coach and NIL definitely factor, but he also had some interesting things to say about NIL options everywhere. Yeah, that was the part that I think you see a guy like that commit to Mizzou and everyone in the comments is like, oh my gosh, NIL, NIL. And and Missouri's state law is very friendly for NIL, but he can make money basically now, right, Mitch, if he signs his yeah, financial Yeah, so it's a deal. If you sign with an in-state school, you can make, you can profit off your name, image, and likeness before you enroll. But the key is he needs to sign a finance, what's I guess called a financial Financial aid. Agreement, which he can do like when the, when the academic year starts. So I assume he's already signed a financial uh, agreement with Missouri so he can start profiting now as long as it's with an in-state school. So, you know, that's it's, it's like Grace used the term very NIL friendly for the in-state programs. I guess you could go to Missouri State too. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that was definitely part of it. And when we were talking to his high school coach, he was like, it should be part of it. Like hmm. this is, I, I think we're, maybe moving away from the stigma of NIL playing a, a role in these decisions. Like if you have this opportunity, why not? Um, but I thought that it was really one of like, he said this in our story, Mitch, like he had options everywhere. He was going to have NIL opportunities everywhere he went. Like if we, if we think Oklahoma and Oregon and Georgia, three places that he visited multiple times, weren't also going to have competitive packages for him. I think that's a little bit naive. So um, he was going to be set regardless of where he went. And I'll be, I'm, I'm curious to see if this has a domino effect. I don't know where Ryan Wingo is in his recruitment, but um, I do think that if you're Mizzou, you're pushing this pretty hard. Yeah, it's been a sneaky good state of late. Uh, you know, Missouri has not done great, um, but uh, obviously a big win there. We, we've mentioned KJ Bolden safety from. Another Buford guy, number seven overall in the composite to Florida State. And then Colin Simmons was a big one, edge rusher from Duncanville, Texas, staying in state to Texas. Um, so that is six high-profile guys, mostly five-star, all top 40-ish guys. And K.J. Bolden to Florida State is the only one who signed with a non-SEC school, if you're counting Texas, to the SEC. So the, committed the rich, to, yeah. Committed to, excuse me. Thank you, Ari. Um, so the rich are getting richer. So I want, now I want you guys want to hit on some just bullet points, uh, schools. We don't need to spend a lot of time on them. The, the first one. It's called Around is, the World. Around the world. Around the country, yeah. Uh, no, around Gra- the world. Yeah, okay. Grace is They're playing new. a game in Ireland. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to keep new. interrupting you every time you keep trying to talk. Okay. Up. Uh, it's <laughs> <laughs> good podcasting. This is uh, Grace's uh, in-state school now. Virginia Tech, number 36. Only four of the 17 guys are blue chippers, but here's the key. Three of them are top 10 players in the state of Virginia. Last year, Virginia Tech got none of the top 15 in the state. Their average player rating of 87.91 is up quite a bit. It's a point and a half from last year. And Grace, as we read more about it, and you talk to coaches in Virginia, it's quite clear that this new staff with Brent Pry is doing some damage control. It was you know, no secret that, that uh, the previous staff in Fuente was a Texas native, and that staff went into Texas a lot and not great success, and it pissed off the local coaches. And this is a great – I mean, I've got no ties to Virginia Tech, but there's no reason that Virginia Tech should not do better in state and let Penn State and all these other schools come in. So good to see them kind of protecting their backyard a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Penn State was absolutely waxing them. Um, and I think that they've really made a commitment to, maybe I'm a little bit recency biased because I live here now, but in the 757 area, the Norfolk, Virginia Beach area, it's just, it is so talent rich. Um, and I've talked to a couple of high school coaches who said, yeah, Fuente went to Texas a lot, maybe came through once, which I was legitimately stunned by. Like, I don't, I right, what don't do you know think how- of that? Good move? Penn State coach? Just... <laughs> I personally think that if you live in a talent-rich area, you should fly across the country instead of okay, going I to your thought so. I thought you, yeah. thought you agreed with that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, think a lot Virginia of, Tech can field a whole team with just kids in this area. That's what Frank Beamer did. Like, you, you could just load up on 757 talent and go beat anyone in the ACC except for maybe Clemson and Florida State. Yeah, uh, when I was working at the Cleveland Plain Dealer, um, Ohio State, it was actually the year that they uh, played Virginia Tech. The year they won the national championship and lost to Virginia Tech at the beginning of the year. But going into that week, it was funny because they ended up losing the game. But like I wrote a story called What Happened to Virginia Tech? And now <laughs> we're going on almost 10 years of it, of like what happened to the, the Tidewater area 
Uh, they like that's where Michael Vick is from. That's like where a lot of their best players are from. And it just seemed like they've just like lost footing. And the thing that's scary about Virginia tech is that like all of us at our age, remember in the early two thousands in the late nineties and stuff, when they were competing for national championships, I have distinct childhood memories of Virginia tech being a game away from playing in the BCS national championship game. Like the brand Virginia Tech, those helmets, those colors, enter Sandman, everything like means something to us. But the thing that I'm afraid of is that kids these days have no connection whatsoever to that. That brand is like is it's just old news and they haven't done anything from a pulse standpoint to get it back. And I feel like the only possible way they can get it back is to own that area again or to find a coach who can activate that area and, you know, make it theirs. And unfortunately, it's just going to be harder because Penn State's over there and, you know, all the East Coast schools and the, you know, ACC. Like, that's like a, a very competitive place to recruit. It's no secret. It's, it's, it's like, like, it's almost like the question is, is like, if Michael Vick came up out of out of the Tidewater area right now, would he go to Virginia Tech? Right now? Probably not. No. So, like that, how do you fix that problem? Um and that to me is like you just got to go all in on, on on where you live, Grace, and uh, hope that it it works out because this national shit's not going to work for them. Um, they're not going to be finding their their salvation in Texas. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, it's it's home is where the heart is, man. Yep. Uh, go after it. One of the be- one of the best recruits in school history is uh, was Kevin Jones, running back from from Pennsylvania. But you're right, most of their guys are local. Um, Did you look Aub- that up? Did I look that Did up? Did you go look at Virginia Tech's all-time classes? And Kevin Johnson was – I mean, Kevin Jones was like the number two recruit in the country. He's their top recruit. I but mean, I, I'd, I'd venture to say that all of them um, – I bet you uh, that he might be the only exception of like their all-time classes. Yeah, he might Let's go be. see. Yeah, we can look it up. Yeah, um, yeah Marcus it, Vick, Tyrod Taylor, I believe, is from there. Um, yeah, Hampton, Virginia. Like They're all from there. Okay, oh, I'm sorry. Will- I will Good. add this: the top, the top three states, uh, the top three states, the top three recruits in the state of Virginia are. It looks like they're going to be committing to SEC school, so they're st- they still haven't cracked it, but they're certainly yeah. at least in the Just top. Better. You, yeah. you, like, All you, you do is make count, incremental improvements. Yeah, you you yeah. count the DC, Maryland, the DMV area as part of that that thing too. Right. No, I mean the Tidewater is a specific region. No, I know, like, but do you also there. count sure. Virginia yes. Tech's territory as the DMV as well? I think you or have is to. It, you know, yeah. so they have multiple like areas, and I feel like the Tidewater area and the DMV area are two separate territories that they both could do pretty good in if they tried really hard to. So, um, it's just reminding people that Virginia Tech is a brand and and winning something. I think it's just I'd hate to see that brand die. And Blacksburg is not very far from. It's two and a half hours from Winston Salem, so it's three and a half hours from Charlotte. It's not far from a lot of metropolitan areas. All right, here's a school. Where my note is just like they're back in the game. Do you know what I'm talking about, Ari? Who would you say? Vanderbilt. Just, no. Oh. <laughs> What's with the shots today? I mean, we're back. We're back. Uh, back in the game. Back Auburn. in the game. Auburn. They're just oh, yes. we, we're hearing them again. 14 of their 16 commits are blue chippers. Last year, 10 of 22 were blue chippers. 14 of 16 so far. Manny, you know, we, we were monitoring, we've been, seems like we've been monitoring a lot of these headlines, doing these stories on commitments and, and we're just, we're here in Auburn again and it's, it's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I did the, uh, the biggest improvement from the 23 class to 24 and Auburn is by far, uh, further ahead than anybody else in terms of average player rating. I think <laughs> 2.33 better, uh, per, per recruit with, like you said, the 14 blue chip guys. So uh, obviously a tremendous job there by Hugh Freeze. And, and you, you figured this was going to happen, right? Like, especially after how pa- the depths that Auburn fell to, like you have plenty of room to improve when you're a program like Auburn there in the, in, in the SEC and, and can recruit great players. So, um, but you're right. I mean, they've done a, fa- a fabulous job. It seems like they're in it for a lot of kids, as you mentioned. Um, I think ultimately here, you know, this is the kind of class that, Again, it's 16 commits. This is the kind of class that can jump into the top five if they really push the throttle and 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 flip some guys down the stretch. All right, Wisconsin, number 20. You know, hey, before you go real quick, yeah. Mitch, I just wanted to say that there were people that would comment on like in my stories and tweet at me that they can't that they like stars matter, but they can't listen to it anymore because they're Auburn fans. And it just reminds them of how they're not just only not winning battles, but they're not even mentioned. 
Like as, as remember we used to do this week in recruiting. I don't know if that's ever going to you know start back up again. That's back when you but wrote like, stuff. Yeah, back when I was a writer. Um, I I remember like Auburn just wasn't a wasn't a topic. They just weren't involved with anybody. So it's like even if they don't have this huge renaissance of rankings and commitments this year, an average player rating, it's like at least they're freaking trying. <laughs> like yes. they weren't even trying last year. So that to me, it's like the second Hugh Freeze got hired. You, I mean, anybody who follows this stuff knew that was gonna gonna happen, and it's kind of cool to see it actually, you know, taking place. So yep. sorry about that. Yeah, don't apologize. I never apologize for making a good point. Yeah. Okay. Wisconsin, number twenty three in the rankings, only twenty one commits, so it's not a class that's just propped up by having like twenty seven commits. Closing in on second ever top twenty five class. The last one was in twenty twenty one. Luke Fickle, just sort of like a workman-like blue collar. They've gone into Pennsylvania, I think, four commits. They've got a lot of ties to New Jersey there. Um, so just uh, Wisconsin. Not that they really win anywhere, but uh, b- back in the game. Um, UCF, great. Uh, Manny, you mentioned UCF. Or Grace, you might have thrown out UCF when I was talking about Auburn. This might be, you know, we've talked, programs are taking advantage of their new lot in life. U- UCF is definitely doing so. Number 26 only 17 commitments, nine of the 17 are blue chippers. I'm going to group them with Houston, another new Big 12 school. Only eight commits, only one blue chipper, number 78. So there's two programs in talent-rich areas, new to the Power 5 or Power 4, whatever we're going to call it. And hats off to UCF, just doing a really good job. In a state, obviously, Manny, where Florida State's doing great things, there's, there's room for more than Gators one or two too. schools. Yeah, and the Gators too. So there's room for everyone in that state. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we've I've written about it plenty. The state of Florida, you know, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, uh, everybody's been coming in here for years. Clemson, uh, while all these programs have been down and taking the best players. And, you know, we've seen it. You know, Joey Bosa and the Bosa brothers at Ohio State, um, all the great receivers at, at Alabama and Georgia. You got to start if – you're, if you're ever going to turn things around here in the state of Florida, you, you got to start winning those those battles and keeping the elite kids here. And, and you see it. It's a, it's a much – more balanced battle this year and UCF now that they're in a power five I mean I, w- I remember getting asked this question in one of my mailbags uh do you think UCF can be like a top 30 program and I didn't think they'd be able to do it this quickly but clearly Gus Malzahn like he's he's gone in there and he's convinced uh, a bunch of kids that hey we're, we're in a power five now we're going to the big 12 and uh you can come here and it's going to be different and they are. I mean, they've got one of the best classes in the country 20 25th I think overall in terms of average player rating so it's legit UCLA, Ari, speaking of programs and trying, I mean, I think they're going to have a good team this year. So, you know, who are we to knock their their strategy? But to me, that's still a program with so much untapped potential. I know there's hurdles there. It's not maybe the, the, the amazing job that a lot of people think, but only 12 commits so far, three blue chippers, the number 50 class. They rely on the portal a lot, but I, I just, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, it's like crazy because it's kind of been the way that it's gone. And listen, just got Dante Moore. Yeah. So it's like sometimes yeah. they just like pop up out of nowhere and surprise you a little bit. But that's one of the most surprising commitments flips in three yeah. years. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, and I don't think they've named a starting quarterback there yet. So I'm kind of on alert to see if that has any in- instant impact on what they're doing this year. But um yeah, I just it's like I feel like UCLA is the hardest team to analyze in college football. Like the way that Chip Kelly has done it, like you're like, oh, they're gonna have a good team this year. It's like that's really hard to do when you haven't recruited at all. <laughs> you know, like the last few years. Um, so like how how he's doing it. It's like you know he's uh, got his own way, and the Pac-12 might you know allow him to you know create a team that might thrive in that style of football that wouldn't thrive in others. Um, but I, I don't really understand it. I really don't. Um, he doesn't love recruiting. It's been clearly uh, um, illustrated in, in just the results, but also too, like I know a lot of few people on his recruiting staff who are really on the ball, you know? So it's like, it's like a weird juxtaposition between like pretty solid teams, um, a team that has shown ability in the past to sign top 10 classes, but also not really doing that at all the last, well, frankly, for the entire Chip Kelly era, I don't really know how to how to do the math on that here. 
So great. So let me ask you, I, we do this every so often in this podcast because uh, we are of different ages and different frame of reference, as Ari likes to point out, when I note a team that actually won something before the year 2000, he Ari doesn't acknowledge the existence of college football before that. What no, is your I don't like that you think that Georgia Tech can be good because they won a championship <laughs> when you were 11. I was I was older than 11. I was in college. Um, <laughs> yeah. Grace, what, what's your, what is your... You're old, uh, man. Uh, I know. Although Grace told me today I wasn't old, so thank you, Grace. Um, You're welcome. What, <laughs> what's your opinion of UCLA football? Like, completely non-existent. I mean, like, no opinion. I don't think I ever, a single time, and a lot of that's geography, like, growing up on the other side of the country, but um, my entire UCLA knowledge was on Wooden UCLA basketball <laughs> and how many how many national championships they had and where it's stacked up against you know all the other schools in the ACC coming after them. But I have absolutely zero UCLA football knowledge or memories. Yeah, but you know what I go ahead, you know man. what I think of when I think of UCLA football. I think of Edron James running for like three hundred plus yards and knocking him out of the championship game back in ninety nine. Yep. Like that's the one memory I have of UCLA football. Uh, that's like even remotely in the last 25 years. Yeah. And, and UCLA football used to be like a top 10 team in like yeah. the early 2000s. Sorry, Donahue. It wasn't. Well, like back when I was a kid, they were, they were good. And, you know, maybe it, we'll have a UCLA, more UCLA focused podcast. We'll talk recruiting. There, there's a lot of things that are working against it. Um, commitment, financial commitment, all that stuff. I know back in the 10, 15 years ago, like their, their salary pool was not good. It was hard to get quality assistance because the cost of living is so high there. So it's not just a, a slam dunk that they're going to be awesome. So um, here's one that kind of surprises me. Louisville, uh, only 14 commits, only three blue chippers. I'm a big Jeff Brom fan. He did a, you know, they weren't recruiting, you know, Ari, you covered the Big Ten. They recruited fine. They were good at finding some gems, especially at the wide receiver position. I think we talked about it on our last podcast, but he's just a really good coach. So I don't know if he needs elite recruiting, but I thought he would come out swinging a little bit more. Ari? <laughs> Is Ari there? I'm sorry. My uh, internet's bad. Did you, were you talking to me? <laughs> I was talking to you. I was kind of like a good host does. I was like referring oh, to previous oh, no. conversation. It, it lagged for a second. It lagged okay. for a second. What were you saying? Do you guys have internet in, in, in Texas? Actually, I have to get the AT&T guy over to my house because upstairs, the internet goes in and out like every 30 minutes and it drives me absolutely That's berserk. That's good for someone who's on a podcast have, every day. And I, and I have this like little thing here. Can you see that? Yeah. That is supposed to be a booster of internet, but apparently I'm too far away from the thing. So, you know, back in the day, I used to have to like stop the cam yep. and then start it back up again to like, remember those days? Yeah. Now I don't stop the cam because he's going YouTube and like sometimes I lose you. So you said you thought somebody would come out firing and they haven't. Who was it? I don't know. Who do you think? Uh, Lincoln Riley? No, maybe if you spent more on your internet and less on your perfect frames behind you, you could uh, you have better internet. My wife did those. <laughs> I was talking Louisville. Just I, and I preface it by saying I don't think his classes yeah. at, at Purdue were great. He found some great high end talent, especially at the wide receiver position. And maybe he's not a guy that needs to have elite classes. But I thought just rejuvenated in his at his alma mater, they'd be off a little off a little faster. Yeah, well, I actually talked to him on the phone as you knew it. Yes. <laughs> like you like you said, this should be a good story. And then I interviewed him, and I don't know if it was just a bad day or what, but like. I didn't I didn't leave with a story, which is very rare when you interview somebody who's the head coach of a program. <laughs> and I think the problem is um like I don't know what the I like the identifiable plan for Louisville is this these days. And like his his past there was like just from a different era, you know, and it's like I guess the idea is go down to Florida and find the next Lamar Jackson and hope it works out like that again. You know, because I think that Louisville traditionally has done a really good job with three star prospects in Florida that just get under recruited by the big three down there. And that's a good point. But like now that Kentucky has just done a great job in Kentucky and Ohio and, you know, Louisville has been kind of a non-factor in their own state for the past few years and like trying to pick up the sloppy seconds of, of Florida. It's just like, is that the plan or is the alma mater like, you know, they have. A lot of people who were uh, around those really good Louisville teams 10, 15 years ago, and like an hour, it's just like, I don't know what the plan is. And maybe I should have written a column about that um, of just like, what is Louisville's straight line strategy? What should it be? 
if you were the head coach of Louisville, like what would you pick your strategy to be? Because I don't know mine would be try my luck in Florida, even though that's traditionally how they've done it. It's just a different time now. Like, what do you guys think? Like, if you were the head coach there, what would your strategy be? Well, I mean, I, I think, unfortunately, I mean, they, they've got the competition of the SEC right next door and right around them. So it's almost like, you you know, you have to you have to venture into Florida where maybe there's more talent. I know last year they went into California uh, and pulled a, full, mm-hmm. uh, a few kids out of California. Um, not really a sustainable model. Not a sustainable model. So uh, it may, maybe it's the transfer portal. I mean, that's how he kind of did it. They signed 25 transfers uh, this last cycle, which was the most in the ACC. Um, and so maybe that's what he's doing. Maybe he's trying to fi- uh, follow the Mike Norvell uh, model to success, right? Get, mm-hmm. get Louisville to be really good and then, and then start recruiting high school in a couple years. I'm going to talk another ACC school that was not on here. I'm going to put Grace on the spot. When I first started working with Ari and recruiting, talk, it's the anti-Auburn. It's a program we talked about all the time. Ari wrote stories about him. Cool kids table. Grace, your alma mater is no longer sitting with the cool kids. They're over there with, you know, the not cool kids. What's going on? They're not winning enough. I mean, (laughs) I think when you are producing talent like Sam Howell and Drake May, and then you go and lose to Georgia Tech last year, it just doesn't it's not comprehensible. It just makes no sense. And then you've got a lot of these kids that geographically can still play in the sec. Um, you've got NC state that Dave Doran is, has kind of got his brand and his blue collar sort of gritty way of, of playing. Um, but I, I really do think it comes down to wins. Like if, if you're a kid in North Carolina and you have any interest in UNC and they can win eight or nine games, I think that should be enough, but I don't know. They just you have to make the layups, which they could not do last year. Speaking of layups, a couple weeks ago, Grace came to town for the uh, recruiting symposium. Oh my or gosh, personal staffer <laughs> symposium. She brought her dad in town. Dad's oh a big fan God, of Nashville. He loves music. Went to a jazz club. Went out to dinner with Dr. Rayner. I guys, I got the full scouting report. Grace has undersold her high school athletic career, specifically basketball. I had a feeling. I yep. suspected this. Stop. You were really it's good at basketball. Every dad's job to yep. gas up their kid. Every oh, dad it gas was, up their kid. It up. was. Yeah, I mean, four year starter. Uh, most at a dominant school. <laughs> it doesn't matter what school. You know, IMG is a boarding school. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> no, this is nowhere yeah. remote. This is not even the same universe as IMG. Runs the floor, multi-sport <laughs> athlete. I mean, it was just, uh, it was very impressive. Um, so we might maybe we'll go to the uh, the guest line. We need to like you know the hotline. We need to sell the. What sponsor. kind of doctor is Doctor Rayner? He's retired, right? Yes. He is, yeah. He was an eye doctor. So he was a he was a he was an eye doctor. Okay, yeah. Yep. So obviously he knows what he's seeing when he sees a good basketball player. I was just really hoping he was Stop. really really hoping he was a podiatrist, but I guess like there's so many things in this world that you uh, you know sometimes Stop. it works and sometimes yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, but. Just, yeah. That, that would have been that would have been too. Good. I would have so, died. Yeah, you would have said podiatrist. <laughs> I like I would have passed away. <laughs> So like I'm happy I'm happy it didn't. Uh, um, but, but yes, yes this uh, is Ari. We missed you in Nashville, Manny. Next year we missed you in Nashville. Had yeah. a good time. Um, what do you think? Saying the Jewish face ne- next year in Israel. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> um. All right. So on that note. <laughs> on that note, few few more things I want to hit on. Uh, Grace did some really good reporting on the after the collapse of the Pac-12, and yep. talked to some kids who were committed to basically the four schools left behind. As we're recording this on Thursday, early her afternoon. fiance came up with that story idea. By the way, who say that again? Didn't Hunt tell you to do it? He did. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I'm jealous. It wasn't my idea. Um, <laughs> so. You know, something could be happening later today with two of those teams no longer left out in the cold. But uh, talk a little bit about like what some of the kids were, you know, the immediate. I mean, literally that day, Friday and Saturday and Sunday, that, that weekend, you were talking to kids who were committed to those four schools. I must have been like, what, what the heck's going on? 
Yeah, I think that they were totally in the dark and to a certain extent still are. I mean, a lot of them said that the coaching staff, you know, called and sort of tried to, you know, smooth it over and reassure them that it would be okay. Um, but they don't know. I mean, the cow kid was optimistic that maybe they could move with Stanford and, and sort of go as a package deal. And maybe that will happen now in the ACC. I don't, I don't know. We'll figure that out probably sooner rather than later. Um, but there were a couple of them that had some power five offers um, at Oregon state that were like, you know, part of our decision was to play P five. And so if they don't land in the power five conference, that's something I'll have to reevaluate. And then there were a couple of others that were like, well, um, you know, I love Washington state. I love Cal. Like I'm, I'm fine with wherever they end up, but I don't know. I just feel bad for them. You know, like there's just absolutely no clarity whatsoever. And I, I just, I feel like recruits have so much on their plate right now to begin with that. I just, I don't know. I'm, I feel bad for them. At least the timing's not awful. It's the summer. They don't have to sign for That's four true. months so they can, they can sort through some things. Um, I, I want to, I made a list of the, the top, I'm going to go through it real quick. The, the top, and then got a question for all you guys. The, the, the 247 composite, the team rankings right now, Georgia 1, Ohio State 2, Florida 3, Alabama 4, Florida State 5, Tennessee 6, Texas A&M 7, Michigan 8, LSU 9, Penn State 10. For average player rating, it's Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, Florida, Auburn at 5, Florida State, Texas A&M, USC, Tennessee, Clemson. So I fired through those really quick. There's some notable teams that are not in the top 10 of either list, so overall or um, average player rating. And I'm going to ask each one of you guys, which one like should we be worried about? Which one do you feel like, hey, don't worry? And, you know, they could have done some more research. Obviously, there's there, there's class size and all that matters. But got Notre Dame, Oregon, Miami, Oklahoma, and Texas are not in the top 10 of overall ranking or average player rating. I'll start with you, Ari. Which one do you feel the best about and which one would you be kind of worried about? Um, I don't feel particularly great about any of them, to be honest. I I am a little bit worried about Texas this year, um, because a lot of the Texas players are committed elsewhere. It's like you you could talk about slow starts, but if you go look at the two four seven sport composite, um, and you look at the state of Texas, a lot of those players have already um, committed elsewhere. Um, so I don't know. You know, they're gonna have to go national to make this up. It's not like, well, eight of the top 10 players in Texas are off the board. It's like they're all committed. So I don't know. Uh, as you get into September, I don't think that it's a slow start anymore for any of these teams. Like, I, I am I wrong about that? Like, it's like, okay, June, you know, April, May, slow start. Who cares? But like, shit, dude, like the season's starting this weekend. No, Scary. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. 10 yeah. of their 16 are, are blue chippers with one five star. So. All right, uh, Grace. What, what do you what do you think? What schools on that? If you got the list, what would you feel good about? Concerned about? I would say concerned about Miami. Um, Florida is just. I mean, we've touched on it. It's such a talent rich state, and they're competing with so many people. Let alone Florida State doing what they're doing, and then you throw in a couple losses, and I I, I would say Miami probably gives me the most pause. Um, this might be a hot take but I actually Ooh. feel pretty good about Oklahoma. Like I think Brent Venables is a really good recruiter. They just signed a top five class last year. Um, I think a lot of people are going to want to come play with my guy, Jackson Arnold, who, you know, I, I yeah. love his game. Um, and so, I mean, I think a lot of it will be sort of wait and see with OU, but I don't feel as, as bad about them as, as maybe some other people. Manny. Well, first of all, I'm surprised Ari said Texas since he's got Texas going to the national championship game, right? So that should automatically get Well, those are two separate things, though. I mean, the thing, (laughs) I mean, maybe Texas should be the one that we feel the best about because, yeah, I mean, Miami has 21 commits and Oklahoma has 20. It's like, how much are you going to be able to improve your team when, you you know, 75% of your class is already put together? At least Texas has nine, 10 more guys to go um, that they could try to fill it back up again. But like, we're not talking about eight to 11 member classes here. We're talking about classes that have 20 or more uh, in them. And it's like, you know, there's 10 spots and I feel like 20 teams should be top 10. So there's always going to be 10 <laughs> losers out there. But like if Texas finished like with the 13th best class this year, I'd be like, what the? 
the hell happened? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was going to say my answer is is I agree with Grace. It's Miami because I think a lot of the elite guys that they hosted in June, um, especially on the defensive line, which is the priority for Mario Cristobal, have picked other schools. And obviously, we'll find out about David Stone on Saturday. He's got them among their three finalists. But uh, Miami's average player rating has dropped two and a half points. Ooh. Since last year, when they Jeez. had the number seven class, all those three stars that Ari was so excited about a few yes. months ago. Yes, and they so wanted to spread them out to to have more excitement by them. Right? Was that what he was doing? <laughs> that, that's what he was doing. Uh, he <laughs> listen, man. I would just uh, text ra- Ari randomly like, on a Tuesday night. I would just go to Miami. And I was getting five commitments from three stars. I'd want them to do it all on the same day, like on a Friday over. at midnight. Right? <laughs> it would be a, a, a Friday night news dump. <laughs> <laughs> I would do the exact opposite, but yeah. Anyway, well, uh, I, I just I worry for them because I don't think they're partic- they're going to have a particularly great season. I think they're seven or eight win team, and I don't know that that gets guys juiced up to want to commit to this program. So I think Miami could be the one that ultimately has the biggest drop, and they've had the biggest drop when you compare the twenty three cycle to twenty four. They're by far the biggest drop. Alabama's next, believe it or not, and that's just because they had such a ridiculous class. Uh, they're down two points. Texas is down two points. Uh, then Louisville and Michigan State. That's the top five in terms of the biggest drop. So I think right now Miami has to be worried. You want to hear a, a more drops too? Let's hear it. And we're speaking of drops. Life Wallet stock is down 93.90% uh, <laughs> since April. I'm not an investor like you are. Is that good or bad? Is that good or bad? It's <laughs> <laughs> You told yeah. me to invest. I don't know if there's a correlation between their NIL fund and this the stock, but well, we're I, trading at many seven wrote cents about right now. That it's not. No, I know, that, I know, that, I know. I just wanted to make a joke. Yeah. Yes, no, he's but wrong, you can though. explain it to people who don't understand that, Manny. I think it'd be a good addition to the show. Yeah, yes. I think I checked in with some sources at Miami when when all this news on John Ruiz came out that he was being investigated by the feds, and you know, as his stock was falling, free falling. Um, that 80% of Miami's NIL deals are now through outside sources not related to John Ruiz. A year ago, okay. Miami probably doesn't sign the seventh class in the country if, if John Ruiz is going through this. So I think as long as uh, that money is still coming in from other sources, which I believe it is, and they keep advertising for Kane's connection, then, then Miami should have some money to compete now. Are they going to be able to buy all the best players in the country? Probably not. So on this list, uh, no one's mentioned Oregon, but they are 15 of their 21 or 22. I, I've got two different numbers here. Are blue chippers. So there's there's a lot of good quantity there. Um, and there, I'm sure, no doubt, um, you know, getting a boost of late or not, you know, getting the Big Ten invite help alleviate some probably concerns there. Um, so we spent a lot of time talking ACC teams here. We talked Virginia Tech. We've talked Louisville. We've talked North Carolina. We talked Miami. In yeah, hit, hit it, the big one now. No, in some of the best the best journalism that, that I've seen in Friday's ACC mailbag, an inquisitive <laughs> reader asked Manny who would win a battle royale of all 14 ACC football coaches. And Manny's is very researched. What, who do you think he picked, Ari? Of all fourteen ACC, which in a, if they just put them in a ring, who would win? Royal Rumble, the Royal Rumble, whatever. Yeah. Whoever gets thrown no out. No weapons. No weapons. Right. I'm gonna guess he didn't pick. That, <laughs> no right. weapons. Um, I mean, it was very well know, thought out. Be, very well made I, sense. I mean, it's so I know it's probably not going to be Mario Cristobal if it's more what if it was well thought out. <laughs> no, his answer uh, was well thought out, and and I, I don't want to spoil while. No, I'm saying wild. like you would would thought it was just a layup if it, if yeah. you picked Mario Cristobal. Yeah. That's the one that jumps out to me. But am I forgetting somebody? Well, Mario, um, I don't want to spoil his. Uh, Mario was uh, didn't attend the, the this fictitious battle because he was doing something else. But uh, yeah, there's probably someone off the top of your head you're not thinking of him. He is a uh, he's a new coach. He's he was a former offensive lineman. Just kind of I sort of man, he's sort of like a silent assassin, right? Yes, he really is. Uh, I think Brent Key. Uh, yeah. Okay, from that's Georgia what I was going to say. Yeah, is the kind of guy you don't want to run into, uh, you know, after midnight uh, as you're <laughs> as you're coming home. I'm looking at Brent Key's uh, height and weight. He's a big um, dude, forty five years you old. You haven't beaten Narduzzi, right? Yeah. Yes. See, here's that's, the problem. I, I think, think Narduzzi would win because he is angry too. all the time. He's <laughs> uh, and also, too, I'm going like, Narduzzi every day. Like. 
all uh, Brenton Key would have to sit in Arduzzi is I'm buying one of your players in the transfer <laughs> portal and he is yeah. dead. <laughs> <laughs> and also, let's be honest, Brent Key, he was a guard. So, like, come on. Like, yeah, no, it is well thought out. <laughs> but, like, in terms of, like, I feel like size has nothing to do with how if you can win a fight and everything to do with, like, how angry you are. And, like, I would not want to fight with with that Narduzzi. I think half I think the stuff that comes out of quick, his mouth. Right? I think half the stuff that comes out of his mouth is just like crazy. Uh, <laughs> but I just like, I wouldn't push him if I were in public with him. Yeah, that's a good call. That's a good call. Um, but the thing that I wanted to say, and they didn't make the list is like, are we worried at all about Clemson? Or are we just going to accept the fact that this is who they are? They, well, here's what I like. And I would definitely want okay. to chime in. I like the fact that they they're stocking up on some wide receivers because that's kind of like the problem. I mean, it's the problem this year's team probably lack of playmakers for all the quarterback success and the defensive line success too. They were great at wide receiver and they kind of got away with that, got away from that. Antonio Williams is, was good. You know, a a true freshman last year. Uh, They got Sammy Brown, the top five kid, I think from the Atlanta area. Um, So I, you know, it's not elite elite, but I, it seems like they're sort of back in the game. A little bit. Is that fair, Grace? Or are you still more critical? I yeah, I think the wide receiver point is a really good one. I mean, Jeff Scott used to absolutely dominate the Florida area, just getting five star after five star. I tried that at South Florida, but <laughs> I know. Um and and you know, they had quarterback issues, obviously, but um I just yeah, the receivers just really fell off these past couple of years, and then this year they went out and got Bryant Wesco out of Texas, which is a state they've been making a lot of progress in, and TJ Moore out of Tampa. Um, And then you throw in their ties to the Georgia area. I think Clemson just knows who they are and knows exactly what kind of player it's looking for. I don't know that they're going to sign a, you know, top five class, but they they really, it's rare that they do, you know, I think they've done it twice. Um, So I'm not concerned, but I don't, I, I don't know that I have them finishing in the top 10. I think top 15 is probably a little more realistic. Ari, is that sufficient for you? You seem, I've been, you know, my, my, I've been talking about the fall of Clemson's football program for four years now. And it's finally (laughs) happening. Like, I, I I don't know. It's like, it takes time to like, listen, they might make the playoff this year. (laughs) I love the contradiction. I've been talking about their program. They might make the playoff. They might make the playoff (laughs) this year, but I think over the course of the next 10 years, they are going to be half as good as they were for the previous 10. I think that they will not be able to sustain what they did for the first 10 and in order for them to maintain them. And when I say sustain what they did, I'm talking about top two, three program. I'm not saying they stink, right? Or six. I'm not going to say that they stink as a program. I'm just going to say that they're not an annual national championship contender anymore. And it's like, listen, you know, we, we joke about, you know, my take on Clemson, but like, has anybody's talked about them at all in the playoff race this year so far? I feel like they're the most under discussed team in all of the preseason, even on our podcast. Like, have we they're spent my, much time I talking to about the Clemson? ACC? I picked them to win the ACC. I know a lot of people yeah. think that Florida state's going to do it. And I'd like to see if that's actually just over hype or if they're going to be that good. But you know, like Clemson is not a team that can stand on its uh, stand shoulder to shoulder with Georgia anymore, and that's a shame because that's what they were for eight, seven, you know, years in a row. And it's like you can say, "Hey, that's not who you know." Yeah, they know who they are, and they've you know made and won national championships without signing top classes. But it's like I don't think that that world exists anymore. I think either you you do or you don't. Uh, I was going to add to Ari's comment is. Just the fact that Dabo still refuses to even acknowledge the transfer portal as a, as a source, uh, I think, is really what what puts them in peril because it's obvious that he's just not going to go down that road. He just refuses to, and I, to me, you can't do that anymore in college football. You just you he's can't. taken a few guys, hasn't he? Very, Has very he, few. Is he taking zero or it's, yeah? It's like it's three few, in, in it, like four years or whatever it is. It's, it's not. A, there's no big splashes that he's taking yeah. it's, it's just, more, this, it's it's just more depth. like i don't know ohio state took nine so maybe that's obviously probably too many for Dabo. but like alabama like there's just it makes sense to plug in two or three holes a year think, yeah 
think about this. What if what if Dabo had gone out and gotten some of those elite receivers who were available the last couple of years? What if instead of what if Jordan Addison instead of going to USC goes to Clemson? Are they as as bad? Then Narduzzi definitely wins the battle, the Royal Rumble <laughs> if he goes to Clemson. Yeah, I mean, I'm league. just saying, like, th- just uh, to me, that's what it comes down to for for Clemson and why I think they're they're going to slip. Like, well, I agree with Ari in that in that regard. Um, that said, it's as far happened. as this year, it's already started to happen, though. Like, it's not like it's going to. It did. It happened already. I just think it's going to continue. Like, it's gonna, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, I mean, they weren't a very good football team last year. So we'll see what they look like now, and maybe Cade Klubnik will turn out to be the next Trevor Lawrence that saves them. But it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's just I not. I still think there's what a path for them, is. though, right? Like, there's always, especially with the twelve team playoff, there's always going to be a path for them to compete. They might not win it, but like, we're I there's I don't know. Like, even again this year, when the ACC, when Trevor Lawrence was in college, Clemson was the favorite or one of the two favorites to win the national championship every single year. And that That's extended fair. previously to when Deshaun Watson was the was there as the quarterback. And, you know, I know they had two generational talents at quarterback during that that period, but everybody likes to say that Clemson is the exception to the rule as it pertains to recruiting. And my only take has been and continues to be that they will no longer be a team that is a annual contender for a national championship recruiting the way that they recruit. That doesn't mean that they won't have good years or that they won't be a good team. I'm not saying they're going to stink and play like Georgia Tech. I'm just saying they were a top two or three program oh, in college Georgia football. <laughs> yeah, drive by. <laughs> Georgia Tech like went 19 years without signing a four star out of Atlanta. That's what they did to me. Um, I just think that their status as a top three program in college football is a thing of the past. Okay, ready for some trivia? I've got multiple questions since, since it's been. Oof. All right, let's do it. All right. All right, great. How many internet problems now? How many <laughs> minutes late was Ari for the podcast today? Twenty-eight. Um, no, Twenty-five. Was, like, I think it was eighteen more. Like, okay. Okay. That's not the question. It was uh, no, it was twenty-seven minutes. Yeah, I think okay. that was late. There are yeah. currently five teams in the two four seven sports composite top twenty that had a losing record in twenty twenty two. Name in the them. top twenty. Miami's yeah, so for sure. Five of the twenty. Uh, Miami A&M. Yes. Uh, A&M had a losing record, huh? Five and seven. Um, uh, Auburn? Auburn. Five and yes, seven. Yes, that's a good one. Um, Florida? Florida. Yep. Number three class, five and seven last year. Well, they Did were we get six all of them? and seven. You got one more. Well, no, they were six and seven. Yeah, they made a bowl, but they lost Oregon State. Um. Losing record last year. You Grace said just top talked 20? about him. Grace just oh, talked Oklahoma? About yes, number Oklahoma, 16. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Oklahoma. Yeah. And there's there two go. more in the next five, in the top, top 25. Stanford at 21 and Nebraska at 22. All right. All right, here's that another question. Record. Oh, okay. All right. Let me see. I got a lot of data here. I want to... Um, how many... Of the top 10 overall recruits in the class of 2018. Hmm. Composite or regular? Composite. Like it matters. <laughs> yeah, composite. Because you know, It does just, matter. Well, no, this is just more of like, I don't think you're going to know who they are. It's Why just are you more yelling like, at me? I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> this is just okay. more like a trend. How many of them went on to be a first round pick of the top 10? Oh, what year? Yeah. Trevor Lawrence. Yes. Um... I'm, I'd be shocked if you could name them. It just, I'm just curious. It's it's part of a research project I'm working on. So I've got oh, some data. how many? Yeah, how many? You don't need to. I mean, I will tell you who they are. Of the Justin top Fields 10? was there or no? Justin I can, Fields. Let's try to name them. We we have okay. some brain yeah. power. That wasn't that far, like, a long ago. Okay. Was yeah. Justin Fields in the top 10? I can't remember. Yeah, he, yeah. Was, he oh, did, yeah. right? He was, uh, he was two. Micah Parsons was in that class, wasn't he? Yes, you got three of them. Yep. How many more are there? Oh, that's One. the question, I guess. Oh, sh- I know. Like, uh, there's, there's four. Let's guess three because we only named three. Right there, there's the four. I guess there's, there's four, one okay. more. Uh, who would be the fourth? Hmm. Who would have been a five star that got drafted that high? And there's two of the top ten are still in college in their sixth year. Wow. Uh, was it was Patrick Sertain a top ten? I am extremely impressed with this yep. group right here. Patrick Sertain the second, right? Not the, yeah, yes. Patrick yeah. Sertain. I have his rookie card. Oh, there you go. 
So wow. can you name the two guys who are still in college? One of them has been in one school yes, for I know. six years, and the other one has been there as in his fourth school. Oh, JT, JT uh, Daniels is in there. No, JT Daniels was not top 10, but he uh, is in that class. Xavier Thomas. He wasn't? Xavier Thomas. Mm-hmm. JT Daniels is I thought JT Daniels 16. was top five. Oh. He's 16. Which one's still in school? The other guy signed with Alabama. Oh, is that the, the defensive lineman? Yes. Been, oh, God. Well-traveled. Yes. He's like uh, a... Uh, I know, I know me. Yeah. Ayabi yep. Anoma. Ayaba Enoma. Yes. He's like so, at Charlotte now? Yes, he's at Charlotte. He was at Michigan, so he followed uh, Biff. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Biff Hoagie. Poji. Yeah. Uh, Poji. To, to, to Charlotte. So, um, this that was research, good. This project I'm working on, I, th- this will yield uh, a lot of... A lot of uh, you know, there's one thing, Mitch, and I know we're going to wrap it up here because it's an hour and five, that we didn't mention that I think we probably should have. Well, we um, still can. That's what I'm saying. Let's get yeah. out of here before we do it. But uh, USC picked up a pretty significant commitment yesterday or two days ago, and I think that we should just mention that. Yes. Yeah? Of, co- of course it happens when like, I'm at the doctor and Grace came through and coordinated with Antonio, and, and we got a good story up there. So, yeah. Uh, go ahead. Mention it, Ari. Um, I saw the Tackett Curtis is starting for linebacker for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 2026 quarterback uh, Julian Juju Lewis committed. Mm-hmm. Um Number and one player he, in the 26 class, right? Number one player in the 2026 class, and it's just a the next one. Like Malachi Nelson's in school now, but it's like the next commit in the lineage of USC quarterbacks that you know. And it's not a kid from California either. He's from Georgia, correct? Yes. Yeah, so, but yeah. interesting thing about that is the spacing. We all talk about like, do you get five stars from back to back? They still have to recruit a 20. You know, Malachi's a 23 kid. He's a freshman yep. now, so like they're going to have to recruit. Un, over, 26 under, means uh, but he might, he might he might reclassify he might reclassify i bet i'd be shocked if he doesn't reclassify so okay, uh, that's going to be a storyline what are they going to do in the 25 class i mean the 24 it's, class do they they don't have a quarterback do they i don't think so Mm-mm. well i mean i think the they idea don't. is that julian lewis would succeed right but uh, you still need a number you still need like miller moss yeah, might not stick around. you still need numbers getting, like a transfer portal. It's like the Ohio State or Clemson yeah. this year. As long as you know who your next guy is, I think you're always in good shape. And then other than that, it's like USC is the perfect destination. Like USC is the one program that doesn't have to care at all who they get out of high school at the quarterback position because if there's ever a top-tier quarterback transfer, they would they would go there in a second. So like they, they this isn't necessary for, for like their health at the position. I just think it's an interesting thing that – they identified a 14 year old in Georgia, got him and, you know, made like that's, that's it. So, um, I just didn't want to get through the podcast, not at least mentioning it. So. Yeah. And speaking of, uh, discovering people that we got to give Audrey Snyder credit for that one. She wrote about him when he was in eighth grade. She did. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there you go. All right. Ari, you want to do your thing? All right, guys, that felt good. Didn't it feel good? Yes. Nice. Thank you so much yes. for listening to the latest edition of stars matter. Follow on, uh, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and leave a thumbs up and subscribe. Uh, of course, we would love to use uh, any five-star review that you'd be able to give us. Follow Mitch, uh, Grace, Manny, and myself on Twitter at Mitch Light, at GM Rayner, uh, R-A-Y-N-O-R, at Manny underscore Navarro, and of course, at Ari Wasserman. Uh, it was a pleasure to present this back to you guys and super excited to um, do this weekly moving forward into the season. So, Take care, brush your hair.